work. We go to trade our time and skills for money. If we're lucky, colleagues can become lifelong friends outside of work. Some people even meet partners at work. Over 30% of marriages occur after forming a workplace romance. But your marriage ends after many years and you need a fresh start. And so transfer offices at work 1,500 miles away. A former colleague unexpectedly transfers to the same office too. Eventually, that work colleague starts showing up at your home. You're too polite to send them on their way and they spend hours in your company, but they are not your friend. The colleague then asks to buy your old home where your new one is being built. The colleague wants the contents of your house too, down to the bedsheets. That colleague informs you that they are watching the construction of your new home and telling the builders that they are your project manager. They have never been your project manager. The colleague turns up at your new home with unwanted gifts. You've had enough, but it's too late. You should have stopped this a long time ago. Unrequited love is the stuff of songs, books and films, but ultimately it will be responsible for your death. This is the murder of Jean Thurno, and this is Murder Me on Monday. So this podcast is called Murder Me on Monday, but apparently it's not every Monday, because last week one, it was sunny and hot, and I didn't want to be stuck indoors on a Sunday editing when it could be outside getting crispy. So, we're back again. I'm Cameron, and joined with me is Mother. Hello! We needed a break. We had to have a break. This time, it should be out for Monday, hopefully, because the weather's shit again. We're from England. Weather sucks. It's grey and wet. And it's grey today. It's June. There's not much more you can say to yeah, that. Yeah, there's much more you can say. It's fucked. The world anyway. wonders why we're obsessed with the weather, but when you get awful seasons in one day like we do, it's hardly surprising. So, yeah, this one is... Is it unrequited love or unrequited lust? But it's also about very much about inappropriate behaviour. Um, specifically, this case, inappropriate behaviour in the workplace. Now, Galen Eugene, known as Jean Thurno, was born on the 2nd of July 1959 and he'd served in the US Air Force. He lived in Columbus, Nebraska and worked as an air traffic controller at the municipal airport there. He had been married for 20 years, but in 2001, at the age of 42, he was going through a divorce, which was, it was difficult for him. His wife is said to have had a life-threatening illness, but had recovered, and it had made her reassess her life in total, and she decided she wanted to spend her remaining years with, actually, a previous partner. Now, Jean didn't want a divorce, but it seemed he understood the reasoning and didn't put up a fight. Now, most of Jean's extended family lived down in Florida. After the divorce, he wanted to be closer to people who could support him, which is completely understandable and relatable. He had a really good reputation at work and was well-liked by all around him. So the request to transfer was approved, although they would be sad to see him go. One colleague was sadder than the rest, however. They had shared office space in Nebraska, and Gene had been very much into his dachshunds. Yes, we've got dogs in this one, Cameron, but no, die. Don't worry. Right. At one point, Gene had had three of them, and he'd even brought them into work to show his co-workers. This colleague was so enamoured of them, he asked if he could buy one. And as Gene had three, he, did, he thought, well, you know, I can't give all three dogs the same amount of attention. He, he agreed to sell one of his dachshunds to this work colleague. I think that's really weird. I, I, I think asking if your colleague's dog had puppies and you're going to sell one of the puppies, buying that is is acceptable. Yeah. That's not that odd. But saying, give me your dog, I will give you some money for it, that's kind of odd. That's because a dog is yeah. a part of the yeah, family, that, isn't it? And yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, that's that, weird alone. That, that's one weirdness. Yeah. If you're saying I'm, I might have to get rid of them, and then you offer to buy them, that's one thing. But to be like yeah. to say I want one, that's weird. Yeah, but, but you, you you'll understand the why as we go through this. Um, the dog never gets mentioned again in, t- in t- the entire case, and it does make me wonder if it was well. It it obviously was just a. Do you ever a watch way- Friends? Pardon? Did you ever watch Friends? The TV show Friends. Many many moons yeah, ago. Obviously, because it came out years and years ago. Right. Do you remember one of the uh, characters, Gunther? Yes. It was a guy that ran yes. the coffee shop. Yes. It's like when Rachel buys, she buys a Sphinx. Yes. And it's like it's obviously a hairless cat, and and Gunther is just this weird little creep man who just wants to be close to any excuse. So he buys it from her, and he's like, "What is this? Some kind of ferret thing?" And it's it's like that, isn't it? It's just an excuse to form a relationship. It's yes. a way in because then you can say. Yes. Any opportunity you can talk to that guy. I remember guy. that cat absolutely hated Ross. He tried to kill him on every opportunity but, but, it could. Well, I think so. But like with this, it's going back to he can use this at any opportunity to talk to someone, yeah. talk to talk to him about the dog. Yeah. The way in. Yeah. It's not it's not mentioned because there's very few actual um, material resources for this case. But yeah, that's that's how I I figured why he did that. So you buy a new car. People admire it. They do. Some even go and buy a similar make and model as they like it so much. It happens. It's rather unusual, however, to go and buy the exact same model, same specification, colour, everything. The colleague did exactly that. So, after moving to Florida, this former colleague would go to Jean's old apartment, take pictures of the empty space and send it to Jean in the post. A little odd. But Jean didn't say or do anything about the mail. Sure, it was odd. But he figured it was harmless, right? <laughs> so Gene happily settles into his new role at the St. Petersburg Clearwater Airport when one day in 2002, three months after transferring, out of the blue, his former colleague from Nebraska turns up next to his desk in Florida. Hey, buddy, great to see you again. Gene didn't think much of it. People transfer all the time. The colleague soon complained of having nowhere to live. Um, bit strange transferring and not sorting out accommodation right, but it does happen. Jean, being kind and generous and organised, had actually bought a house and suggested that the colleague move in as a lodger until he could get himself straight. It'd be company too and help with the bills, so no reason not to suggest it. After other, after all, they, they'd known each other for years in Nebraska. Now, this colleague, Bob Peterson, was the dark to Jean's light. Jean is described as affable, likeable and soon made friends. Bob, unfortunately, was heavy set. It's described as frumpy, awkward, introverted and a kind of a loner. <laughs> Bob was everything Jean was not. Polar opposites. Now, it's fair to say Jean was also rather good looking and he quickly caught the eye of another colleague called Juanita, who went by the name JJ, who asked him out for a coffee. Jean and JJ started dating. JJ had also just gotten a divorce after a long marriage. And after a year, they both felt that they had a second chance at lifelong partners. They're both in their late 40s by then and decided to grasp the chance of happiness. Jean had never had children, but JJ did, although they were all grown up and out on their own. Now, Jean was religious. It's only relevant to say that because he didn't actually believe in extramarital sex. JJ didn't have the same attitude to sex as Jean, so when he proposed after two years of dating, it seems neither of them actually wanted to wait any any longer, she happily said yes. They tied the knot in a small private ceremony. Now, there'd been no engagement party, and it wasn't a big fancy wedding, 
But Bob purchased the happy cuddle a crystal vase. Where was JJ from? Because if it knows Juanita, I'm thinking she might be Mexican or something. No, that's, well, that's a bit of an assumption. It's not prejudice, whatever, but with that kind of name. No, she was... It, I think it was just a name that... I mean, I'm pronouncing it Juanita, but it was spelt with a J, and she was called JJ. And I have seen a documentary with her in, and she's she's Caucasian. Okay, I, I, I just wondered, because yeah. it might be the ceremony for the wedding. Some In some cultures, there might be longer, a bit more of an event, but if this is quite a... A muted ceremony. I just wondered yeah. why. Yeah. Anyway. So Bob had purchased the happy couple a crystal vase, which retailed at $650. Why that... would you spend 600 quid on a bit of glass? So, again, mistake two. They, they didn't say anything. At one point, Bob had sent Jean a friend anniversary card. JJ apparently thought it was strange. Jean simply laughed it off. You could play that off. Not weird. If it was, oh, this is when I moved in, and that's the day that I remembered seeing you again, here's the joke. Like that's that's when I randomly inserted myself in your life again by mistake. If you do it like that, it's fine and not weird. But now we, we know somewhat the circumstances of this, that it makes it odd, doesn't it? Yeah, and Gene didn't think... Gene thought it was a little strange, but he his reaction to this card, he stuck it up on his fridge. So Bob could see it was on the fridge, and it... I don't know if it made it give it more significance to Bob by being able to see it. Was he still living with him at this point? It seems to be. Yeah, because when he said he put it up on the fridge and see it, then I'd be like, what? Yeah. I mean, is he in the bushes? Probably. Looking in. But, Later on, yeah. yeah. And then, so I assume... Well, they get married, and well, they've yeah, both, they both got two houses. Jean's got, Jean's got a house, that's, JJ's I was got a house. That. I said, would, would Eugene have... Be living with JJ, but probably not if they wait till after marriage. Well, and stuff. they actually decided to build their forever home. They put both the houses on the market and bought a spacious plot in an upscaled gated community in Lutz, Florida, which is some 15 miles north of Tampa. And they were excited to start building. Now, I'm not too sure what the values of the houses are in Lutz, in Florida, but you get it in the UK as well, but only as America as the example. Some houses in some places, you can so like a three million dollar apartment that you'll buy in LA is just that. It's just a small apartment, but mm. you can buy acres and acres of land somewhere yep. outside in Texas. That's yep. why you get like a huge exodus out there. So I'm not sure what the thing is like in Florida, but googling it, a lot of the places they look like more like villas. They're quite wide with not much height to them. Whereas yeah, in, I, the, I, in the UK at least we tend to go up, not out. Well, as I said, we're the, much more limited in land. We yeah. we can the UK you can fit in Florida, but it's like just the state. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're not limited on land as much. So they bought a house together, and did uh, did Bob come with them? Is he well, part of the furniture? Talking about furniture, Bob asked to buy Jean's old home, and he agreed to pay the full asking price. The one thing he insisted on, though, was it came completely furnished. Bob threw a fit when he realised the sheets and blankets had actually been taken off the bed. He desperately wanted Jean's used bed linen. So Jean and JJ, they moved into their fancy new house and Bob was adamant about being invited over. He claimed to have a housewarming gift for the couple and he kept on nagging for a dinner invitation. And they eventually thought to themselves, just let's get it over and done with. And then hopefully we we won't have to put up this. I mean, he had bought the house, he paid money for it and all the rest of it. So they felt they owed him something. I don't think anything's weird about buying the house or someone that you've lived with. Say you've lived with someone for years and years and years, like your close friends, then move out, you go, I love the location, I've got memories here, I want to keep it. You want to have it furnished? 
that's not that weird because shit you've lived there you don't you probably don't want to spend all the money getting new stuff they probably can't be asked moving it so you can buy it furnished okay even the bed frames i draw a line at the mattresses that's a bit weird i don't want to know who's been getting sticky and whatever mattress i don't want to sleep on that but the bed linen you can fuck off that's weird although is it because if you have it washed is it any different between like someone staying around and you staying on the bed linen but it's it no is different to a hotel but, yeah, but it, it is weird because we've asked for it yeah it's like saying don't flush a toilet afterwards I want, oh, to, I, want to, I want to sniff the seat that's weird oh. why, why, why would you do that right let's get back to this weirdness so he he nagged for a dinner invitation november the 3rd 2006 bob was invited to dinner jj was actually taken aback by the fact that bob didn't need directions to their new house he already knew exactly where to go now remember all three of them worked together at the at the air traffic control but even so people i've known for a number of years that i work with they don't even know mm. where i live so it's different though because they were housemates yeah so you, you live together mm. bob knew all about the house after trying to stick himself in as project manager with the builders but gene and jj didn't know about that bob turned up at gene and jj's plowed through a three-course meal and had seconds of everything then he plonked himself in a chair and looked like he'd settled in for the night gene and jj were a bit taken aback they had plans but bob wasn't taking the hint to you know take a hike yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ask a question that might be mentioned later on is there any evidence of this man um I, because i assume when he's at these places and he's not he's not getting these social cues is there anything of him being sort of asd or on the autistic spectrum at all because and it's not a, an insult or anything like that it's like no, it's a good, Fucking, it's a good get question. Get out of my house. Why aren't you picking up on these cues? It's, there is no indication of that. And one, if you didn't know what happens... At, well, I do know what happens at the end, you know obviously. What you don't. You've, you've um, read through it all and written the script. You know what happens. But there, it would be a very, very valid point of concern that he's not getting these cues. But it doesn't seem to be that Gene really was blatantly obvious, as in... Buzz off, leave us alone. He, he, I don't think Gene was like that. He wanted to be. He was a nice person, mm. and he, he wouldn't react like that. But I, I, I don't have a tendency to outstay my welcome. But if that's why, if I go somewhere, I like to have a hard out, so I know that I, I need, yeah. I need to leave by this time. Or if someone's like, okay, we leave at ten, I'll leave at ten. But until then, I'm like, sure, then having fun. But if I tell someone we need to go at eleven, and it's eleven, I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. I'm gonna go to bed. Well, I mean, it, it it was odd. I can imagine, you know, two, two, three courses, and he had second portions of everything. Yeah, but I can do that though. It's not that hard, depending on what it is. Yeah, but you throw weights around. Trust me, Bob didn't do any of that. I think it was just a way of extending the evening. So he's he's taken up a position in this bloody chair, and they'd already told him that they had plans. But Bob finally gave the couple that housewarming gift that he talked about. He he brought a bag in from the car, and it. It was with him from the start of the evening. And it was presented in a great big fancy box wrapped up in a bow. And I'm he... picturing the head from Seven, you know, with <laughs> uh, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I'm like, here, it's a, it's a sculpture no. of my face from my, made of my toenails. No, like... it, was, it, was a flat, it was a flat box. It was a flat box. And inside was an expensive, leather-bound, 50-page photo album. Embossed in gold with the name Therno on the front, filled with weekly progress pictures of their brand new house as it was being built. The last pictures in the album were taken after Jean and JJ had already moved in. You could see their furniture through the windows. You could see them 
in the window. <laughs> well, yeah. Walking about. Again, like, this this isn't me sympathising with him being weird, because I think if someone has had a hardship in their life and then they do something bad, you can kind of sympathise with them doing something wrong. But when someone's a weirdo like this, you, that, that, that gets diminished for me. I'm like, you're doing something odd, you're making someone uncomfortable. But I don't think something like that is that of an odd thing to do, where if you know that you're friends, because in his mind, he is... Yes. He's really close friends with him. That's something that I might do. So if I'm driving back and forth from somewhere and I know that your house is being built along the way, I would drive past it occasionally, even if it's slightly out of my way. I'm not talking like 20 minutes. I'm talking like a slight, a different turn one way. I'd go by it and say, yeah, it's looking quite good. Builders are there. I might even take a picture, send me an update. But I'd be like, I'm going to go shit in the toilet first so you can't kind of thing. But that's why you add a joke to it. Because we know that the context of this guy, it's a bit different. Well, I think JJ at this point, she, she was dealing with and seeing stuff that Gene just was... Gene himself wasn't seeing the problem. So you've got one person who wasn't reading the hints mm. and another person who wasn't being forceful enough. So JJ, she she was actually polite and she said to him, you've been coming to our house throughout its entire construction. Every couple of days, Bob Peterson beamed before, adding, I photographed everyone's houses from work. He seemed completely oblivious to how creepy that sounded. I worked with someone, so uh, when I worked shifts late at night, rather than and the car park was really small, so I had like a population of like th- two to three hundred people that would work in this place. But the car park was about one hundred and fifty. It was not designed for the amount of people that worked there, so carpooling was really common. Mm. And this one weird guy, I'm not going to name him. He would make people drop him off at a different street, and he wouldn't ever walk to the place that people didn't know where he worked, where he lived on this street. So if you're walking down the end of a cul-de-sac, not just at your cul-de-sac, but it'll be a different one, so you couldn't know where it was. That's that's odd in itself, but when you say that people do stuff like this, you can kind of understand why. I can kind of understand why the guy did it, but I mean, it's, back in the day, I mean, you, you'd get a taxi from XYZ place home, and I always used to make them drop, them, drop me at the bottom of the road and walk up. A uh, quick tip for anyone, quick, this, this is a really strange, like, life tip for Cameron from Cameron if you are going away on holiday and you get a taxi from somewhere don't have them pick them up from outside your address pick them up from the end of the road or outside someone else's house because then they know that you're no longer there for two weeks or whatever so you're an easy target I yeah I understand where you're coming from with that but that doesn't work when you've got 15 suitcases and it's half past three in the morning on no, no that's why you wheel it out because no well taxis also don't turn up sometimes but I understand what you're saying but yeah don't post it on social media that's well, the no, thing um, but yeah uh, people have done it where they'd order a taxi from next door and mm. that person's house gets broken in because the taxi driver has thought that they're gone for two weeks it's happened so that's quite it's not that uncommon. Right, okay, okay. we're getting back that's to... Just, that's a little life tip. Yeah, we're getting back to Bob, yeah. Um, he's, he's not taking the hint that he needed to leave. So Gene, again, not wanting to be rude, decided to stay home while JJ followed through with those pre-arranged plans that it was something to do with returning a truck or returning a truck with a relative or something along that line. She wasn't going to be gone long, but it, Bob wasn't going anywhere. So as she was walking out, Bob walked outside with her to retrieve something from his car. Um, we'll find out later what it was, but it, it, yeah, it's significant. So JJ was gone. There were no cameras in the home. So no one knows exactly what happened. But this is from the evidence. JJ returned home after an hour after she'd left. She discovered bloody drag marks running from the Christmas tree in the living room. 
to the middle of the driveway. Got now, I went back Christmas. on that. And I'm like, 3rd of November, what the heck was a Christmas tree doing up there? But I, I know other countries do put them up an awful lot earlier. I mean, I know places that put them up in the UK after bonfire night, which is 5th of November. So, okay, fair enough. Beneath that Christmas tree was Jean's mobile phone and the clothes he'd been wearing that night, including his underwear. JJ would know and probably would have known what underwear he was wearing. She was his wife, wasn't she? When he said his phone, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were going to say a body part. That's where they found his hand or something. No, a phone, that's kind of normal. But then when he said clothes, oh, he, he got him naked, okay? Yeah, but it was his under- yeah, he got him naked. Okay. JJ... She found one more thing. That three, that thing that Bob went out to pick up from his car, it was a three-page letter. It was folded open and positioned on the back of the couch so she could easily see it. And it was in Bob's handwriting, addressed to Jean. I have loved you for some time now, Bob had written, but I've always chickened out when I tried to tell you. I feel like I've been living a lie all these years and I just can't do it anymore. I envy JJ. Because she gets to touch you and see your naked body every day. I have already asked God's forgiveness. Peterson's note said he wasn't sure if he was gay, but he knew that he loved Therno. He continued by saying, I have had sex with 25 men in my life, but I've never loved another man until I met you. I want to have sex with you. I am not leaving until I taste your manhood in my mouth. JJ alerted the police immediately. I can see the look on your face, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm frowning and traumatised. Yeah. Now, the police, obviously, police rocked up fast. You've got drag marks, blood, obviously, um, left clothing and a mobile phone. They found a spent bullet shell near the Christmas tree. They went to the house that Jean had sold Bob, but nobody was home. Matter of fact, it looked exactly as it had when Jean had sold it, as if nobody lived there at all. So the investigators got in touch with Bob's brother, who lived in Miami. He stated his brother did not hide the fact that he was gay. He spoke of Jean often, but he didn't indicate that they'd had a relationship, but told the police to check Bob's home in a place called Safety Harbour. Absolutely no one had heard of this place. Why had Bob needed two homes? The Safety Harbour home was actually a rented home, which I thought was even odder. So two days after that fateful dinner, police pulled into the driveway of this house in Safety Harbour and they knew then that they'd found their crime scene. From a garage window, they could see Bob's car in the garage and the door was ajar. There were drag marks running from the passenger door into the house. And apparently the smell was a giveaway that they were actually at the secondary crime scene. Now, it said the house was a pigsty. Literally, there was stuff everywhere. But there was, they noticed a trail of dried blood leading to the bedroom. Bob was fine, found laying on the bed. He was wearing a T-shirt and boxer shorts. And there was a .22 in his hand. And a bullet in his head. Jean was discovered laying on the floor, naked, and had been shot twice in the head. Now for the it factor. Jean's penis was missing. When you said that, I pulled a face because I thought, yeah, sure. That, that, why wouldn't it be missing? After all this, why wouldn't it be missing? 
Now, Bob apparently... Of course it is. Of course it's missing. Carry on. It remains missing to this day. Did they check inside Bob? Uh, Yes. Okay. Well, they must have done. That's the first place I thought. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's my penis. Oh, it must be in Bob. Well, well, that was my thought. They they must have done it. They would have done autopsies in both of them. And you cannot tell me that it would have dissolved in stomach acid or whatever. There would have still been evidence in it because it would have only happened a short time before... Bob took his own life. Yeah. And there was, so it would have still been there. But yeah, they, there was no mention anywhere in any autopsy. And it is actually stated they, 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 they the investigators checked everywhere. They could see every nook, every cranny, and even every orifice, just in case. But it had completely and utterly disappeared. They never did find it. So goodness knows what he did with it. So you said he lived in, a, this was in a harbour? Well, it's called Safety Harbour. It's a place called Safety Harbour. No, he didn't horse it out. I'm thinking he might have just launched it into the, the I, lake or something. I don't know. He's just, he's so obsessed with him. You'd think it's something you'd want to keep, wouldn't it? Yeah, or but then you? why would you kill him and cut his knob off? I don't know why. It's unre- when you try to rationalise these things that are irrational, I think you run into some roadblocks. Yeah, this is, kind of, this is why I say I don't know if it's unrequited love or unrequited lust. I can't quite get that one all right. So... This case only sprang to mind after there was a there was a slightly only slightly similar case recently in the UK, which was actually all over the press. The press reported it as she'd killed one woman had killed her friend. They weren't friends. They never had been, but both were basically living in a assisted or sheltered accommodation due to homelessness problems in their lives. The victims, the victim itself herself, had had issues with drugs, but she was getting her life back on on track. Garika Gordon killed Phoenix Nets at a Birmingham property where they both lived on the sixteenth of April, twenty twenty. Bristol Crown Court heard that Garika stabbed Phoenix four times before cutting up a body with a circular saw she bought on Gumtree. She was arrested by chance next to a, a forest of Dean Quarry a month later with two suitcases containing Phoenix's remains. She'd actually gotten a friend to drive there to the quarry and when the friend looked in the car boot, saw the bags and shovel, basically said, I can't and won't get involved, you're on your own, and drove off. I noticed that they didn't report her, but they may well have been interviewed after as I think the person's car was reported as being having seen in the area and the police tracked down Garika after that. So she pled guilty to the murder before she was due to try stand trial. Apparently, she'd sent texts, voicemails and emails to Phoenix's family to try and convince them that she was alive and had moved to London. The prosecutor said that the victim, Phoenix, had told a friend in February that Garika had demanded sex with her and became aggressive when she refused. She said to have a personality disorder, but what exactly it was doesn't appear to have been revealed. Her only criminal conviction was for shoplifting, so no past history of violence. And the attack and murder, according to her, actually happened after a conversation which wasn't about the sexual proposition. So it's rather unclear why she reacted to this extreme level that she did. She actually got sentenced to 23 years and six months minimum. And that's a lot for the UK. 
And I think it's likely that the probable reports that have been done that haven't been revealed, that means she's very dangerous. But to what extent, they don't know and they can't take the risk of releasing her early. I guess it leads to them, A, mutilating the body, because you, you killed them, but then you mutilated it with the, the saw thing. Yeah. And then you've tried to cover it up excessively by texting them off of their phone. Yeah. Stuff like that before. Yeah. I don't think like it being sexually motivated would be a... a re- I mean, it might be a reason to extend it, but... I'm not sure if it gets washed washed out by the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. I don't think it had anything to do... It probably did have something to do with the fact she was rejected again. Apparently she did have some major life troubles when she was younger, uh, moved to the UK when she was eight, and apparently she was bullied. And it may well be this personality disorder, whatever it is, fed into the fact that she'd been rejected again and... Pressure over the edge. Yeah. So, okay, shall we take a minute and then we'll come back with the case autopsy? We're going to reintroduce that again because it seems to work quite well, we think. So, back in a moment. Right, we're back with case autopsy. So, intimate partner murder is IPM. It's one thing. But Jean's murder wasn't, though, was it? It was unrequited love, or was it obsession? Let's be honest, I think it's a bit of mental illness, isn't it? My thoughts were it could have easily turned into a full-on stalking case with Jean and JJ being absolutely terrified daily, but neither of them seemed to have had a clue that Bob felt this way about Jean. Don't you skip the stalking part when you live with them? Not necessarily, no. No. Uh, I don't mean skip it as in it's no longer stalking. You've invited them to their house. They're not a vampire. That's not how it works. But I know you can still stalk them within that, but it's it's a completely different dynamic when you've got someone that you're that's stalking you that you that lives with you. It's different. Yes, but by this point they'd moved out, hadn't they? They they and he'd bought that house. When and... no one, yeah, but he'd already stalked them when he a when he nicked his dog. Basically, what happened to that dog? Because when he moved in with them, did he bring it with him? What happened to the dog? You said the dog didn't die. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I, I, I'm left with the same question. What happened to the dog? Because uh, when he moved from... Nebraska. To uh, Florida. that I mean, that's not stalking. Obviously, we know now with the context given that it, it was. No, I've got no idea what happened to the dog. Sorry, Cam. It's always the fucking dog. Why is it, why is it always <laughs> some kind of dead animal? It's always a dog. And it's the second dachshund we've had. Yeah, oh, yes, it is as well. I hadn't even thought that. First yeah, it's case. The se- it's the second one. Yeah, case one, Ellen Bailey. Is someone listening to this now, potentially? So we're talking about intimate partner homicide. Uh, yeah, I guess Jean could have played everything down to JJ. Probably didn't even notice the odd things at work. And I'm sure that there were many odd things that happened, but it's not documented. Some of us would have had alarm bells, red flags, screaming klaxons going off from all of these things adding up, but it seems that Jean didn't. There are certain weird things that someone that you live with might do, but it's not a cause for concern. I'll do weird shit. Like, instead of me putting something in the fridge, it's supposed to go in. I'm holding two things. One thing needs to go in the fridge. The other one doesn't. I'll swap them around. So you'll open a cupboard and you'll be like, why is there milk in the cupboard, but there's bread in the fridge? I'll do weird stuff like that. That's not a cause for concern. What he's doing, cause for concern. <laughs> Again, you pointed out when we took that brief break whether the fact that Jean and Bob lived together. I don't know how long Bob actually lived in Jean's house, but we don't know. I'm, I guess, assuming, again, it's, it's air traffic control. They must do shifts or they have shift patterns. So maybe they literally just shared the same house but weren't 
in each other's spaces. Well, you said that when they met at work again. Yeah. That they said, hi, I'm back, friend. Mm. So they must have worked on the same shifts at that kind of, at that point. Yeah, but you can have crossover shifts and you can literally be, you know, an hour in each other's company kind yeah. of thing and shift patterns move about. Again, that friendship anniversary card, I had no idea there was such a thing, but I guess there's a market for anything if you look hard enough, isn't there? The car, well, it was described as a a truck, but it was a vehicle. Again, we know of people who've bought, you know, a particular model. Friends have like, oh, that's amazing. We think that's brilliant. And they've gone and bought one, but it's been been different enough. It's been a different colour or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we've got a relative who bought a car, performance car, nice car. And all of his friends started also buying the same car. And that can there's a difference between jealousy and envy. Jealousy is when you want what someone has and you want to take it from them so they, they no longer have it. And the other one is, I want to have that as well. But because you don't have it, you feel bad. So there's a difference between jealousy and envy. So it can be, oh, they've bought this thing that's really nice. I also want that. And it can be that. But it can, it can quickly become malicious where I want to take that from them so that I have it. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, but there's, the, there's a big difference. Yeah, but you've also got what is it? Imitation is the biggest is the biggest form of flattery or something like that, isn't there? There's that saying, but th- this is probably what he thought when he literally apparently they pulled up right next to him in at a car park uh, at work or something, and he looked round and realised it was you know apart from the fact they had different number plates, he would have thought it was the same blooming car. Because you got you got to think how many times we have a seemingly innocent conversation with someone, and it can be manifested as sinister if you say uh, i'm doing this or i'm going away on holiday at this time and you find someone else is also there as well it might not be sinister it might be you both that's when you both could book time off work for whatever reason and but they happen to book it because it's there but when there's that much of a correlation is it creepy yes but with, with the car thing if you're bigging up something to, to someone and be like oh it's really good can you blame them for buying it i don't think you can but I, so I was in the market for buying some wireless headsets, as well as head, headphones, whatever you want to call them. And I did a, <laughs> did months, not months of hard research, but a long time reading it, looking at reviews, blah, blah, blah. And then a friend of mine got them anyway, because he was like, oh, you've already done the research. I know they're good. And then he got them. And then like, that's not taking it in spite of me. That's, it's like, not, not, not even flattery of the thing itself. It's, they know it's good. You get it as well. Yeah, I get that. But. I, I think the vehicle down to exactly the same spec, exactly the same colour. There, there are so many variables in buying a, buying a, a, a vehicle. That is, is that not biased towards it because we know it's bad? If that could be the only colour they have. That's the best spec. That might be the cheaper specs. That's where people bought it. Or it might be the highest spec. That's what you want. Fair point. There might be slight bias towards us that we know that it's bad. Fair point. But... I, I'm again. We're, we're looking at this of a lens of looking back on the actions of somebody that we can't actually um, fully uh, evaluate because they're no longer here and there's no reports done on them. So why they did these things? So the house we've already talked about that. The one that he bought from Jean. Yeah, I can understand what certain bits of furniture and perhaps they were a custom fit. Carpets and curtains being included in a sale is very common in the UK. But again, the bed sheets, the, yeah. And the gifts, that expensive vase, and I've read uh, Waterford and Swarovski, both been mentioned, didn't know Swarovski made vases, but hey-ho. Um, Waterford, yeah, good crystal, $650. That's one heck of a crystal vase. It's glass. Why is it so expensive? Well, it's not glass. It's Well, it's, yeah, anyway... 
a glass vase would have done just the same job. It may as well have been glass, wouldn't it? True. Um, that photo album, it's plain odd. Um, no one seemed to know. He, apparently, he was actually a fairly talented photographer. And you could almost excuse it as a hobby. But to photograph everyone at home, at work's home, is obsessional and generally worrying. How many colleagues know exactly where you live? Very few. Again, if you've been part of a carpool, like we've talked about... People know where you live. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's a tiny proportion. Now, from what I've read, Jean would absolutely not have reciprocated Bob's feelings and would not have been open to this re- approach. I was going to ask that if Jean had any previous things of being gay or having any sort of feelings like that. There's no evidence that but, I But then find. Bob apparently said that he's not until he met him. But so then he said in his yeah, letter, 25 yeah. men. I mean, I get experimentation, but 25 is a fairly respectable number, is it? Yeah, but at that point, you kind of, if you eat something 25 times... Oh! I, I didn't mean another man. I meant if you eat something 25 times, you go, you know what, I don't, don't know if I like this, but by, by like the third one, you, you would know, right? You don't need 25 to decide. But So Gene didn't have any... He wasn't gay or anything himself. No, no. Um, now, I also wondered, how did Bob get the jump on a guy who was much fitter and ex-military? Did he ask him to sit down and read the letter and then just shoot him in the head? Remember, there's two bullet wounds in Gene's skull. So I, I didn't quite understand how that one happened. Now, the figures are uh, about um, this intimate partner murders. Um, and as well, going into how people meet partners at work. I quoted at the beginning, 30% of people meet their partner at work, and it mainly seems to be USA-aligned from what I could find. We're a bit more reticent in the UK, and it's widely quoted at 13% for us. And I wonder what the difference is caused by. I know a lot of workplaces frown on co-worker relationship. It can get very difficult for other people as well if a work relationship breaks down. So... There's a UK government report which says, um, as of 2018, women were far more likely than men to be killed by partners or ex-partners. So you've got 33% of female victims compared with 1% of male victims. There's an old uh, comedian bit about, you hear a lot of dudes talk about their crazy girlfriends, crazy ex-girlfriends doing X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. But you don't often hear about girls complaining about their crazy exes because they're usually dead. It's, uh, no. it, but where's the lie? Apparently, <laughs> it's kind of true, isn't it? Like, yeah. Because what, based on what you're saying here, with about how the discrepancy leads towards the female victims more. Yeah. When you have when you're when you're a woman, you have a crazy ex. It's much more dangerous than a man. Not to say it's it's not dangerous at all for a man because it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, the, the, there was a, a apparently there's a global study on homicide. Um, which said 95% of the perpetrators, but only 80% of the victims are male. But in domestic homicides, two-thirds of the victims are female. So you've still got a third of victims are male in domestic homicides. Yeah, I find with a lot of figures like this, they can be skewed towards focusing on the the gender of the attacker, skewing the empathy towards the victim as well. So if, if if the attacker's male bad but then because the, hap- the attacker happened to be male also a victim male bad you can often find that the sympathy is lost because the attacker happens to be male as well absolutely agree and i think some of the, the stuff that's happening now that they're starting to realize that the intimate partner murderer 
is not just heterosexual couples. I think it's something that's been long ignored by authorities. Um, and it's, it's just as prevalent in same-sex couples. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those cases that you, you're left with scratching your head with this one a little bit as what, what brought this about. Why? I think if JJ hadn't gone out to drop this vehicle off with the daughter... Um, Do you think she blames herself for that? I would. Yeah, you, would you? You would, but then you—that's where the therapy would probably come in, where you'd rationalise it's not your fault. Yeah, you didn't cause someone to shoot your husband in the back of the head. You being there might have changed a different, might have changed the scenario, but it—it's one of those things, isn't it? I think JJ probably would have been another statistic as well if she'd have not gone out for that evening. But what was it? that made that point in time for Bob the the point where he was he'd written this three-page letter and he was I think he probably would have attacked and killed JJ and then had his whatever he wanted to do to Jean apparently uh, cut his nub off and launch it in the lake for all we know but so do you think it's because he's moved in with JJ they're developing a life together he thought this might be the last time where I can suddenly declare my love before they maybe set up with a I mean, I doubt they had kids at the then, would they? Because you said they're mid to late 40s. Yeah. So they wouldn't have done that then. No. It might be that this might be his last time to do it or he's finally had enough or, like you say, he's around, JJ's gone. I think the wedding um, creeping up on them, it, it, again, they didn't have an engagement party, they didn't have a big wedding. But I, my understanding is it's about a year between when they um, decided to build their new house and it being finished. We're talking roughly a year so houses are built much faster in the US yeah it could have been I think alone it might be the weather but then again it's in Florida so I don't know what the weather might be like they might have like the humid yeah wet Uh, you also so you said earlier on that Gene was divorced once before yes he had no kids but JJ did yes do you know why he was divorced just put his wife um, had this life threatening illness um, and she recovered from that and she decided, she obviously reassessed her entire life and she decided she'd wanted to go back to somebody that she'd been with. In the, She'd been married to Jean for 20 years um, and then she decided to go back to be with them. That feels like the grass is greener type thing and then when you get there you realise it's not because you're with someone when you're ill for 20 years and they stuck by you and then if you get better then you fuck off again. Like that's kind of the, one of the things. I'm glad you said that because I, I, everybody is everything that I've read about this. Um, Jean was really kind about all of this, but I would have been pissed off. You, well, well, you don't know where he is because he might feel guilt or obliged to stay. True. Very he might be, true. Well, I, I can't be an asshole that leaves my partner when he's suffering with a, an illness. I remember there was a politician in the, in America. Do you remember this one? Um. I'm not sure how successful he was in terms of where he got, but his wife was dying of cancer and he cheated on her and he tried to rationalise it somehow. And then she got better and people were like, no. And he he sort of touted himself as being someone that is all about the family values. And then he did that and people were like, oh, okay, so you you clearly don't, you aren't doing what you're preaching. Oops, no, I didn't know. Again, there's there's so many politicians that do some shady shit that you just, you kind of, they all blend into one after a while a little bit on this one. So, yeah, um, again, I, I don't know. 
You also said, oh, uh, uh, by the way, by the way, I don't know if people know this, but my attention span is quite short for some reason, unless I'm hyperfixating on stuff and then I'll obsess. So I've started writing down notes like a child, scribble down on a piece of paper here. Uh, you, you said that it took them two days from when they, when JJ spoke to them yeah. to go in to check this. Yeah. Why did it take two days? They had to find his brother, first of all, because nobody seems to have known that he had a brother. But is it, is it not on a record? You search the name, it comes up with the... How, who knows? But it took them two days to find the brother and to get the information about where this property was. Yeah, that makes sense then. And then have to go out there. Yeah. I was going to momentarily be annoyed at poor police work about it taking two days to find out an address. I didn't, I didn't know why that takes so long, but I guess if it's not centralised or they don't communicate, the, the, the networks don't communicate the same, mm-hmm. that you can't find it. Mm-hmm. As well, how much do you think it's a factor of, according to other reports here about Gene being sort of overtly friendly, being very accepting, taking people in. I mean, when you sold his dog to this guy, yeah. I think it's weird. Um, do you not think it's a, or it could be a factor of him being very friendly and welcoming of people and then Bob not having received that before. So he therefore he fixates on the person that's doing that and he might be perceiving the relationship differently than it actually is. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point and yeah perfectly valid isn't it? it yeah again i was poignant i said something that wasn't <laughs> swearing or about cheese i actually made sense with that one so yeah it's that thing isn't it where uh so if someone at work is weird and they're, they're just they are just weird from the out but you you still want to be polite to them and you're yep. still nice to them but then they might see that as yep and then they talk to you and you're like oh but now i can't be like look alex mate you're weird yep. by the way because you, you don't want to do that as well because you do want to be nice but at the same time you're like fuck me, i don't care about star trek <laughs> I, 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 I say that because I had this guy <laughs> I don't know if you mean this sounds like I'm being mean about someone but I'm not I, I, was, I walked past someone and he started talking to me he like about the teleporters in Star Trek I'm like alright I've missed at least two thirds of this conversation why we talk about Star Trek and I don't just mean oh hey did he see Star Trek it was like boom conversation in the middle of the way and I'm like I fucking I, I do not know what's happening right now I'm so confused and you don't want to be like I don't know what you're talking about I'm going but you kind of have to humour people don't you and be nice to them yeah. So how much of that do you think is he humoured and was nice to Bob, who's presenting himself in less than sociable ways, that then that got taken up from I, there? I, I absolutely think you're right. Yeah, no, it it would appear to fit all that patterning. Definitely, definitely. And before we got on to Garika and Phoenix, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you a question about it. Is there nothing more on Bob in the past about stuff you can find from him? They might give evidence as to why, or an explanation as to why he's done stuff. It's hugely frustrating. There are two documentaries out there, um, and I've watched one of them. There are a few blog posts. All the places I managed to pull the information, I actually managed to find anything, again, thanks VPN, be posted in the show notes. But there is so little out there. No one's written a book. Obviously, because Bob passed... (sighs) Sometimes there'd be um, um, an inquiry in the UK, but doesn't appear that anybody... It, it's a case of the victim's dead, the perpetrator's dead. You can't wrap it up no. very neatly, but what about JJ? What, what happened to the, the the house? Did you stay in the house? What happened to the house that, they, that he bought from them? Where does that go? For, for some reason, in my head, I'm like, it should go back to JJ. So for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know whether she would have been... She probably could have sued the Bob's estate. To get the uh, house back. To get the house back, I would have thought so. Yeah, because you might be able to argue damages, and then you could say that, well, he's clearly got a house because it was ours. You Mm. could do that. And finally, when it went on to 
uh, Garica, Garica? Garica, and Phoenix. Are they protagonists from an anime? Because what the fuck are those names? I love the name Phoenix. Sorry. I think, I think as a surname like Joaquin Phoenix, maybe wasn't he called? Yeah, his, his original was Leaf. Do you know that? Yes, Joaquin I think Phoenix I did. Leaf. Yeah. yeah, I was really confused by those names because one minute we're talking about Bob and Jean, and then I'm like, who's this Phoenix lady? I'm so confused. Yeah, now Garika's name spelt slightly differently because I did actually have to. Um, Again, thank you, Google, for that one to do the actual pronunciation because I, I don't know if another lot, a lot of other people have been doing it. I haven't been watching the news, so I haven't heard a reporter pronounce it, and I didn't want to mangle it too badly. It's, it's spelt slightly different to normal, um, but yeah, they she, apparently she came over to the UK when she was eight years old from Jamaica, I believe. Um, she was badly bullied um, at school. She was of, um, I, th- I think she was mixed race. Um, again, that's not unusual. She would have had an unusual name, a very unusual accent. Kids are horrible. We all know that. Yeah. And, of course, the fact that she was actually gay herself, and apparently that didn't go down too well with her mother, who basically, you know, leave the house now once she found out about it, and she ended up drifting and getting into bits and bobs of trouble, but not not a lot. The only thing she got in trouble for was shoplifting. So why she had that violent reaction... Um, I mean, stabbing someone four times, I can understand once lashing out, but not four times. That's you've lost it by that point. Gets a bit excessive. Yeah. So you went too short. Or we discussed it about it being a pseudo stalking. Well, not pseudo stalking. It's clearly stalking, but li- living with someone changes the dynamic. Yeah, because I think you can get away with you. You're the person you're obsessed with. If you're living in the same space as them you're getting your your um obsession is getting fed isn't it and then when that's taken away from you and again it could be why it built up and built up in bob like a, a pressure cooker and especially as he's married jj um god knows if bob was invited to the wedding he, i don't think co-workers were it was just such a small i've seen pictures of it it looks like literally like a back garden wedding Otherwise, it'd be hard to justify not inviting your housemate because that's what that's what it is at that point. Not inviting a housemate to a wedding that'd be quite difficult, I think. Yeah, and it, I I think it just built up in him, and it took he just reached the snap point. Yeah, and it could have ended very very badly for poor JJ if she'd have been there. But I felt I felt so sorry for her because she did seem such a lovely lady, um, and Jean seemed really lovely as well. And it just what they thought was their final chance of happiness. You know, they'd both lost long decades long marriages and yeah it was taken away from her poor thing and that is the case of the murder of Jean Therno thank you for listening and we'll be back next week with another episode what's the weather meant to be like next week rain again I think we will be in the back next week so we'll see you then you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Me Monday Podcast oh and if you do follow us on um, any social media please like our podcast on any reviews apps that you can uh, you have access to like our shit review it there are people listening to this I know where you live like my stuff no you sound so yeah exactly come on alright we'll see you next time peace